All right, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Slick Rick sitting right there. Going to do sports decked out in the purple. What would you call that? More chartreuse? like yeah, uh, I would say <laughs> chartreuse. All right, you got the uh, pink uh, thing in this pocket there. And looking good, Slick Rick, as always. Oh, man, big day for you today, huh? Big. Big. Big night last night, too. Dak Prescott, NFL Man of the Year. We're going to talk about that. We got Super Bowl odds makers, Big D, the granddaddy of them all. I tell you, I, I went back and forth. I did more waffling than a Denny's Grand Slam breakfast trying to figure out who I was going to go with. Were you happy to see the Cowboys finally win something? Yeah. I, believe me, I thought about that. <laughs> no, nah, good for Dak. That's the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. He won. He gave a, he gave a nice speech, actually. Yes, it was. Real nice. Honoring his mother and his brother. Yep. Um... Rick Delgado's here. It's going to do some news. How are you? I am well. How about yourself? Very good. What even is that tonight coming up at yes. the top of the hour of the second hour? What is your what even is that about? Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is uh, liberal <laughs> racism. How about that? Okay. It's always interesting when I ask you that what I'm going to get. I don't know. It well, because never seems to be just a quite simple answer. So. I don't David want, holds his breath. I don't want to give away too much. Uh-huh. I don't want there to be some type of surprise. Okay. What yeah. the hell are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Come on, man. This ain't calculus. Let's go. Let's give us an answer. Um, all right. So lots to do tonight. A lot of, lot of follow-up from last night, actually. So I went back and watched uh, some of the show last night. I thought it was good. And a lot of what we touched on, I have some follow-up on that this morning uh, of articles I saw as I was going through the news this morning, and a lot of stuff that was followed up on that. So we'll go over some of that. Uh, I want to congratulate Ed, Henry, and Karen Turk for the previous two hours. That was a great special from Key West, Florida. I watched them this morning from there as well. Uh, pretty cool stuff they're doing down there with that whole dedication of the baseball field and everything. So uh, good for them. That was, that was a fun two hours. Um, Geo Fran holding it down as always. We got a crazy town tonight. We have an LOL of the well, you know, gee, I don't usually do this. Maybe we should just start with the LOL of the day. Um, because that maybe we can kind of let it let it breathe a little bit and then come back to it through the show as people uh grab their opinion on this. <laughs> this is uh I don't know. I've heard of all playing stupid or playing blind. I'm not sure which one this maybe fits into both. LOL of the day, G roll it. Caballero, están trabajando arduamente con lo que estamos haciendo con mi esposo contra el antisemitismo. Es muy importante. Acaba de estar en Polonia, en Krakow, y estaba visitando Auschwitz para visitar lo que tenemos que hacer para luchar en contra del odio. Lucha contra el antisemitismo, pero el odio también contra los inmigrantes. Y tristemente lo hemos estado viendo en nuestro país. Pero la primera dama y el segundo caballero de verdad, de verdad se preocupan por mucha gente que son pasados por alto. Muchísimas gracias, señora vicepresidenta, por el tiempo que nos ha brindado. Esperamos verla pronto en Despierta América. Quizás invitarla a usted a desayunar con nosotros. Gracias. Me encantaría. Volveré. Y que la pase bien. 
Okay. <laughs> she is as clueless as the so, day is long. So there wasn't a, we couldn't find an English version of that, so we had to get that one. But um, she says, well, I haven't seen the video. <laughs> well, they're playing it. I mean, they're playing it for her as they're speaking about it. Are, are, you, are we supposed to believe she doesn't have a monitor there? Of course she does. Of course she does. And, and, and for this to be now, you know, Friday, right? Yeah. And the State of the Union was Tuesday. Tuesday yeah, I haven't right? seen it. Are, yeah, you, sure. are you trying to tell us nobody asked you if there was tongue? No one? No one brought it up. No one said, hey, oh. hey, Kamala, I mean, that- Kamala, look at this real quick. Um, you're going to be asked about this. Of course she was. She knows. Yeah. I mean, we've all had like um, those moments where you either meet somebody or I don't know, something. you go in for what you think is going to be maybe a hug and right. this and it changes. But I don't. I, I, at, at the risk of sounding like Delgado, I think I have a theory on this one. Oh! Oh! Welcome to the party, Whoa! pal. It's, okay, a, it's a little one. It's a small theory. Um, do, you have a, do you have an intro for it? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Delgado doesn't have one either, I, I'm assuming, yet. So. We're keeping things consistent. Okay. Nice. <laughs> and so what would that theory if, be, G? So if you were Jill Biden, <laughs> if Joe Biden was your husband, and you were about to sit down for the State of the Union address, <laughs> would you do it sober? <laughs> ah, Very wow. Good. Go. Wow. Look yeah. at that. And I saw Paul Pelosi right underneath it. He might have been handing her a glass. <laughs> yeah. hat on, right? Paul's <laughs> giving her some tips. All right. Here's what you do. Hammer time. <laughs> you know, gee, that's not, that's not a bad theory. Kind of yeah. set the table with everything. Everybody can think about and talk about what they just saw and think about it for the next, oh, I don't know, hour and 10 minutes and yeah. kind of forget what. Is going on at the podium. Meanwhile, that's Paul Pelosi right there in the hat going, yeah. Yeah, yeah Inspector Gadget there, there in the hat. That's Paul Pelosi. Yeah. You, you take control, Jill. He <laughs> was, was egging her on. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you. That's classic. That is. There is no explanation still for that that I've heard that's, that, that carries any water. Well, according to Kamala, they, they work very hard and they're very concerned about, you know, people's rights and, and immigrants. Well, that's Maybe fine. It, was a, it was a kiss of, uh, of acknowledgement for the immigrant population. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> Just so weird. Where did they? I mean, did they both go the wrong side? I don't I have no idea. I feel like I feel like they've done this before. I loved I love my my favorite part of that is the fact that she says, "Oh, well, I haven't seen the video." And they're playing it. <laughs> they're playing it as she's answering, as if she doesn't uh, have a have a uh, return feed there. Yeah. So, all right. Anyways, a um, couple other things, little small things to get to. Another person bailing out. Kate Bedingfield, who's awful at her job too. Uh, she's gone now. Another White House aide, Bedingfield. In the press briefing um, office saying, bye-bye, bye-bye, White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield said Friday she's leaving her post, making her the latest top Biden administration official in, uh, to exit in recent days. And I mean, I don't know. I get, you know, all these people always use it as an excuse. Well, you never stay in government that long. You're always in everybody. Everybody who leaves says, oh, they were there too long. Everybody. Ron Klain, obviously Saki before, Ron Klain, mm-hmm. now Benningfield. How long before Corinne Jean-Pierre tells us she's leaving too, and who knows who else? Ron Klain's still the big red flag to me that something else is going on with all these people bailing now. 
And then they say, well, if he runs in 2024, well, that starts now. <laughs> I'm going to be there. You know what? And I think they know he can't run in 2024 because either the Democrats are not going to allow it because they don't want his his uh, his fossilized body up there trying to run another campaign. Um, they know he's not going to be there either because of that or because something else is going to get him and he's going to get removed from office. So, Marty Walsh, by the way, Labor Secretary, the other day said he's leaving. Forgot to mention that. Well, there's no labor. So, I mean, um, I did, by the way, I did a video this morning on the numbers, the labor numbers, the uh, jobs numbers that we got, the phony numbers that they played around with that we talked about the other day from the Gateway Pundit article. Um, But no, all these people are bailing out. You're not going to convince me that they're just decided this is the right time to go, especially Ron Klain. Right. Especially when he says, what, what, Joe? I'm your nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's why they're all leaving. (laughs) That's exactly right. Hey, real quick, did uh, did Bedingfield uh, announce where she's going next? Because that's you, usually when they leave uh, the White House, um, they usually announce what department or what part of the government. Yeah. They usually segue right to another part. Or or, or is she like saying, hey, I got to leave No, town. back to the private sector here. They're all going, all, all right. these people I believe who have left, or none of them are staying in government. They're all going to the private sector, I believe. Yeah, Marty Walsh is going to the NHL, the labor secretary. Right. But I haven't heard anything specifically from her. It just says she's expected to depart at the end of February. But it's just the timing of all these people. It's the timing now. Just as the Republicans take over Congress, just as things are starting to heat up with investigations, just as this classified document things break, just as now we're talking about all these other things, all these people are leaving. Marty Walsh leaving, Ron Klain leaving, Bedingfield leaving, Saki was obviously gone. Uh, I'm sure there's others I'm not even thinking of. Maybe people we don't, you know, lower staff people we don't even know of. Now, maybe, listen, maybe you go back and look at other administrations, these numbers are, uh, you know, maybe it's just the timing seems like a lot of people all of a sudden. But maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't know. Ron Klain, when he said, oh, if he runs in 24, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, he has to start doing that now, Ron, if he's <laughs> going to do it. So where are you, you going to go? You're going to go somewhere for a month and then jump back in? Like what? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So I think the handwriting's on the wall, and that's why all these people have got to line up the next gig before it's too late, like right. you said. Yeah. And usually, like I said, they usually announce, oh, I'm going over to state or I'm going over to here. Um, disappearing into the, uh, the private sector. Maybe it's so it's tougher for you to subpoena them and, and well, get they're looking at those checks like that Saki's cashing now over at MSNBC and probably thinking, hmm, could be that too. Could be. So that's the first thing I saw. Second thing I saw to follow up what we talked about last night. This is really unbelievable. There's a report out now that Biden has decided to remove our surveillance balloons from the southern border. <laughs> Coming in the wake of Biden allowing a Chinese surveillance balloon to traverse the United States, the report that came out yesterday is hard to swallow. The United States will be junking the very same highly effective surveillance technology that our prime strategic competitor deployed against us, and for the worst possible reason. Fox News reports the Biden administration is significantly reducing the number of aerostats being used to monitor the overwhelmed southern border, with multiple sources telling Fox News that it's due to a lack of funding, with the majority already being taken out of service. Last year, there were 12 aerostats nicknamed Eyes in the Sky by Customs and Border Protection, 
Along the southern border, CBP sources tell Fox that only four remain now all in the Rio Grande Valley section. CPB's air and marine operations use the aerostats for detection and monitoring along the southern border and coastal regions. So now he's going to take these down. Not like some... Because what, he feels bad about balloons now? Right. Does this make any sense to anyone, given the shape of the southern border, that he decides "Mm, balloons are... Balloons is not an in thing right now. Let's take ours down. Yes, it makes like, total sense. It does, because that's, he's not in it for us. He's in it to, you know, help everybody else and push us down uh, as far as, we, as, far as he, he, he can. He just doesn't care about this country. He just wants somebody on the left to like him. You know and if that's num- what they're complaining about, okay, we're going to get rid of it. And guess what the number is that they say they need for funding? Trillion, seven hundred million, eight hundred, hundred million, one hundred fifty million, one point seven, fifty-two million. Oh, okay. To keep it all going, fifty-two million. All of a sudden, we're worried about spending. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, fifty-two million. What can we do? We can't do this. So the Department of Homeland Security has cut funding for the program. So now, because Joe and balloons is not happening, we're going to take all the balloons down that are surveying the southern border yeah we're gonna hang pinatas instead uh, i mean ugh. our life from studio 6b just getting started on a friday we're back right after this All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So just to follow up on this balloon story, that Biden decides to take these balloons down, and they cite cost as the reason, which is just laughable. I mean, it makes absolutely zero sense. Absolutely zero sense. If anything, he wants to take less um, proof out of the air of what the border is and what a disaster it's become. That's the only reason he would take these things down, because he has no interest in even addressing it, whether it's from the ground or the sky, clearly. so. Uh, all right, let's do some sports. Big weekend in sports. Slick Rick's got it, and it's brought to you by MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. If you're shopping for Valentine's Day and you want to try out that MyPillow 2.0, now would be a good time to get it if you want it in time for, what is it, Thursday, Valentine's Day, next Thursday or something? Uh, like Tuesday. That? Oh, next Tuesday. Tuesday. got to hurry up. you got to do it like today. Today, yeah. Uh, use our code LFS6B at checkout. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Well, big Super Bowl, like you said, this weekend and uh, 2023. Last night, they had the NFL honors. So this is from NFL Nation ESPN. Just want to recap that real quick. Before the Kansas City Chiefs 16-3 and and Philadelphia Eagles 16-3, and includes the playoffs, meet at the State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona for Super Bowl 56. 7, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday. Fox, the best of the NFL, gathered in Phoenix for Thursday's NFL Honors. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who will appear in his third Super Bowl in four years, took home his second MVP award. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Mahomes will be the first NFL player in history to win multiple MVPs and multiple championships in his first six seasons. Uh, New York Jets rookies Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson won Defensive and Offensive Rookie of the Year, respectively. It is only the third time in history that teammates 
have won the Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year awards in the same year. New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara and cornerback Marshawn Lattimore won in 2017. And running back Mel Farr and cornerback Lem Barney of the Detroit Lions won in 1967. So, boy, the Jets had to be dancing around, but they still can't find the wins. A <laughs> um, couple of other winners last night. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, the great wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings, won the Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, which I thought was fantastic from the 49ers. He deserved it. Comeback Player of the Year, Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks, who didn't come back from an injury, yet came back from, I guess, uh, anonymity because he was a backup quarterback for many years. And he came back and had a big season. And Coach of the Year, New York Giants, Brian Dable, who had a great year. Dable uh, took a team that had lost at least 10 games each in the previous five seasons and got them to the playoffs in his first year as head coach. He did it with a roster that was flawed and not overly talented. That is really what earned Dayball his honor. And uh, I have to say, shout out to Kelly Clarkson, the host, wearing her Dallas Cowboy dress and jersey. And Cancel Culture actually went after her because she was wearing an 88 jersey. We know Michael Irvin, that whole story. I'll get that a little bit later. Big lawsuit being filed. But Michael Irvin is number 88, so people thought she was making a statement about 88s. She was. CeeDee Lamb is her favorite player. He's the current 88, and this is... The original 88, Drew Pearson. I got the autographed <laughs> ball from Hawk Diesel last night. So, boy, I'm right in the Lou Pearson. And, of trick. course, what's-his-name was 88, too. Um, wasn't what's-his-name 88 as well? The other receiver they had for a while? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, uh, the great catch. Oh, my God, I'm going blank. Um, yeah, 88. Uh, Your mind's going blank now. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my, my mind's going blank now. My <laughs> mind's going blank now. Who? Dwight Clark? No, oh. no, 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 no. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver in the 80s. You know who I, I know, talking yeah. about. I can't. He, he was used to be on the Eagles. I actually played catch with him at Giant Stadium. I can't even remember his name. I actually had a catch with him on the field. It was amazing. Okay. What right, the hell is he talking about? Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have no idea right now. You're even totally off the rails here on a Friday. I can't exactly. remember him either. I'm 50, though, so. Yeah. All right. What else, Slick Rick? Terrell Owens? All right. Uh, Terrell Bowl. Owens. No. No, not Terrell Owens. Oh, he was 80. Uh, yep. All right. Yeah, so, he was 80. I know. I should notice. But, yeah, Super Bowl, Super Bowl ads will tout Jesus gets us to the masses, AP. It's going to be Super Bowl ads about Jesus. Uh, the religiously wary, the spiritual curious, and anyone inclined to appeal to a higher power on game day are the target audience for a Super Bowl ad campaign with a simple message, Jesus loves them. Uh, they hope to counter the notion that religion is used to divide people, spending about $20 million to reach more than 100 million viewers at a time when the nation's Christian population and religious affiliation of any kind are in decline because religion is a touchy subject and primetime advertising is so expensive it is rare for faith to be promoted alongside the Super Bowl's perennial buzzed about beer and fast food commercials but the backers of the He Gets Us campaign see it as a great opportunity to reach so many people at once it fits with our target and audience really well said campaign spokesman Jason Vandergrad about the NFL and its big game Des Bryant Des Bryant, yeah, Des Bryant. Des Bryant, the lefty, (laughs) yep, number 88, made the great catch against the Green Bay Packers that was reversed for a no catch uh, in the uh, NFC. uh, So he didn't make the catch, then? He didn't make the catch, no. But anyway, very good story with Christianity. So uh, you you look for those, uh, definitely look for those ads with uh, promoting Jesus and Christianity and Christ. And they say, I have a story come up about DeMar Hamlin, how it seems like the NFL is back to faith. It's amazing how when an incident like DeMar Hamlin occurs, how quickly people Mm. get their rear ends back in, in with God. God mm. and walking with God, getting hope down F- and praying. Hope the FBI doesn't show up or hear about this. I know. Yeah, I'm get investigated. It. Yeah, Des Bryant. Thank you, Big D. Yes. You know, sometimes in the, hey, it's live TV, man. Relax. Yes. <laughs> so, um, 
What do we think about the um, the halftime show this year? Rihanna, right? I didn't even know she was still doing music. Well, she's been quiet for about nine, ten years. I I think. So you how does she, she? Can I just ask? How does she end up being? What, what, can't we get somebody like hip and like current? Why do we have to get someone who hasn't seen the stage in ten years? Ah, she's got a lot of hits. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I guess Lizzo wasn't available. She's probably flying over the country or something. Who knows? But, uh, you know, um, I, well, I think Brianna's going to put on a good show. I really don't. It isn't, isn't going to be Prince's halftime performance. I promise you that. Well, I mean, but it'll be a good show. I, I know you're not crazy would about be? Rihanna. I saw when I, the couple Super Bowls I went to, I saw um, Paul McCartney in Jacksonville. That was oh, Eagles Patriots. That's a great, I mean, Paul McCartney. That was fantastic. They had the Rolling Stones. And uh, he was sitting right behind me during the first and second quarter before he went to do the show. And then after in the third and fourth, right in the, right in the box behind where we were. I was on the 50-yard line. Wow. And then I was Houston. Who was the halftime in Houston I saw? Maybe it was uh, Maroon 5. They sucked, whoever it was. <laughs> yeah, you two did it one year. Somebody like that. Yeah, it was yeah. lamos. So Chris Stapleton's doing the uh, national anthem. That should be phenomenal. What's He's, the over/under on the timing on the national anthem? Do we know? I got to look That's that always, up. Probably two minutes. It's like always a good bet. People like to bet whether he'll go under or over. Yep. And the coin toss. Of course, there'll tails. never be an anthem like Whitney's. No. No. That's oh, the best ever. That was. Although I have to say, Pentatonix did a pretty, pretty magnificent anthem as well. Um, they're pretty good. So. All right, Slick Rick, we got a lot of sports to do uh, as we'll work our way towards the game picks. And um, you ever do boxes for the Super Bowl? I'm in a couple yeah. boxes. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my numbers so you know what to root for here this weekend as well. Yeah, I'm in a few. All right, let's do some news, though. And here with the news mm. is Rick Delgado. What's going on, Mr. All Delgado? Right. Well, I don't know where to start first. I guess we'll stick with the uh, the Christianity angle. As you mentioned, the uh, purported FBI documents suggest that the agency yeah. may be targeting Catholics. Sure. So if you're uh, a fan of the Super Bowl and watching TV this weekend, pay attention. The FBI might be knocking on your door very soon. Yeah. Former... And if you're not vaccinated, they'll really be, because now you're a double whammy, because they're keeping yeah. a list of that, too. So Yeah, oh, exactly. Just just like the, uh, the old... SS, keeping lists. Former FBI Special Agent and Federal Whistleblower Kyle Sarapin reportedly obtained a leaked FBI document that outlines a plan to spy on a segment of one of America's biggest religious denominations. The FBI's Richmond Division would like to pr- uh, protect Virginians from the threat of white supremacy, it says, which it believes has found a home within Catholics who prefer the Latin Mass. Huh, that's interesting. This was reported in Uncovered D.C. An intelligence analyst within the Richmond field office of the FBI released a new uh, finished intelligence product dated January 23rd, 2023. So just a couple weeks ago, on racially and ethnically motivated violent extremists, RMVEs, and their interest in radical traditionalist Catholics, RTCs. He added that the document assesses with high confidence that the FBI can mitigate the threat of radical traditional Catholics by recruiting sources within the Catholic Church. Beware of the uh, the altar boys there. Uh, Serapin also suggested that the FBI's priorities are not just misplaced, but entirely misguided by their political bias. While over 100 instances of attacks, attacks of pro-life pregnancy centers occurred in 2022, uh, SPLC reported an unsubstantiated 200 bombings or arson attacks on abortion clinics in the past 20 years. So as you can tell, the big disparity. Um, again, it's a source that was uh, revealed by the whistleblower. And uh, one source was an entry from the Radical Traditional Catholics by the far-left advocacy group, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is, again, backing 
the targeting of Catholics. Way to go. The Democrat front group. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do on a Friday night. B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Friday night. Slick Rick's doing sports. Delgado's going to do some news, and he's going to do what even is that coming up. Geofran holding it down as always. Glad you're in. Lots to do. So uh, John Kirby today took to the podium, and he said the following. So I can confirm that the Department of Defense was tracking a high-altitude object over Alaska airspace in the last 24 hours. Out, uh, the, uh, the object was flying at an altitude of uh, 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. And they did. And it came in inside our territorial waters. Now, those waters right now are frozen, but inside uh, territorial uh, airspace and over territorial waters. Fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command took down the object within the last hour. So I can... Mm -hmm. There you go. Ah. A lot of details. Yeah. So that's uh, very interesting. Uh, any uh, any of the details? I know Just the News reported on this today. Yeah, Just the News uh, reported that the Pentagon took down, as they're calling it, an unidentified object. They didn't oh. say flying. Oh. Meanwhile, it would be flying. Um, Friday over Alaska, the Pentagon official said, of course, you just played the Kirby clip where he confirmed the shooting. Uh, this from the, I've got it on two different sources here. This is from the Wall Street Journal. They're saying that the U.S. military jet fighter shot down a high-altitude object spotted in the Alaskan airspace. The object was flying, as he said, at 40,000 feet, reasonable threat, shot it down. Uh, the object in U.S. territorial waters, the object it was roughly the size of a car mm-hmm. over Alaska. Sounds familiar. Mm. Um, this sounds like round two to me. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it was another one of their balloons uh, that they normally send over that we normally don't notice. Mm. And they're like, now now we're on high alert. Now, like, oh, we got to shoot all yeah, these gonna, things And we're going to do it just a little differently than the right. first time before it even gets into the continental U.S. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Now they have to shoot down everything. <laughs> and here's what's amazing about this is now you're seeing – this different, I mean, we're guessing, but if this is another of the same spy balloon, you're seeing already a different tact. Number one, we're not hearing that, uh, well, we knew about it on, was briefed on Saturday, gave an order on Wednesday, and then they actually fulfilled the order on, uh, followed through on the order on Saturday. That's what was the first time around, what we heard, which of course made no sense to anybody. Um, so now all of a sudden, now they've taken it down Hours after discovering it, president gives an order, they do it, doesn't even make it into the continental U.S., a little different. And here's what's so funny. Cut to G. Here's Biden's response after he's asked about the first one. Roll it. Let me ask you about the Chinese balloon. You know, everybody's yeah, sure. talking about this. Uh, now that we know what we know, that the balloon had antennas and a, commun- a communication system, do you regret not having insisted on bringing it down sooner 
No, I think the expert, the intelligence community, defense community. I forgot more about it than you or I know. I said I wanted to shut down as soon as possible. And they were worried about the damage that could be done, oh, even why? in a big state like Montana. This thing was gigantic. What happened if it came down and hit a school mm. in the rural area? What happened if it came down? So I told them as soon as they can shoot it down, shoot it down. They made a wise decision. They shot it down over water, recovering most of the parts, and they're good. And wasn't it a major security breach for the United States, just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace no. and flew over the country for so many days? No, look, <laughs> the total amount of uh, intelligence gathering that's going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway, it's, it's not a major breach. I mean, look, it's totally, it's a violation of international law. It's our airspace. And once it comes in our space, we can do what we want with it. <laughs> I mean, hello? Listen to that. <laughs> Well, what's, what's really amazing is that he admits he gave a direct order to his military and they disobeyed it. They disobeyed it. He said, I want it shot down. And they said, well, it's not a good idea. We're not going to do that right now. It's like, no, you, you know what? You're going to go up and you're going to take this thing out. There's no rural schools in the middle of Montana that it's going to suddenly find. It's, it's going to aim itself at it. Trying Ridiculous. to... Um... Trying to write this off by saying, what, like, uh, well, you know, the level of intelligence gathering that's been going on by all, all parties involved right. makes this okay? That's insane. What kind of policy is that? That's why you let it traverse all the way across the whole country because, well, pff, what are they going to learn that they don't already learn? That's good, that's good <laughs> policy. Is that what we're doing now? Yeah. I mean, so it's going to be very stupid. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what this object, if we get a clear definition of what this was that they took down today. Because if it's another balloon, something similar, this is certainly a different response. And it certainly doesn't line up with that explanation. I'm sure we'll never know. They won't tell us. Now, is every one of these going to be treated differently? Or is, or is that our standing policy that, well, I mean, we're all doing so much of it that, eh, yeah, don't get all twisted up about it. It's not right. a big deal. If they, if they go over all of our uh, important nuclear sites and they can come up with a preemptive plan, or, you know, or, or a way to thwart us actually launching it or collecting whatever or whoever, don't worry about it. We're doing yeah. all the same stuff to them. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Or, or, or if maybe this is the next one they send over that we decide not to take out, if that has an EMP, with that, which they can detonate and you know render half the country uh, powerless. Ah! I mean, what kind of explanation is that from him? Who gives? Uh, does that give you a lot of confidence? <laughs> that oh, it's uh, and then he can't even finish the sentence. The guy asks him, "Isn't it a major breach?" And he can't even finish the sentence. And then he says, of course, what he always does when he gets lost. Anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway, Maybe they learned all they it. needed from the first one. So the second one, like, eh, we don't need to learn anything from that one. Yeah. I mean, they're const- maybe they're just saying, hey, let's just, let's just keep throwing things at this guy and see. Yeah. Because they already know how he's going to react. 
And did you catch his blink rate when he was first asked about it? How all of a sudden he sped up and like, uh, it's like searching for the answer. Got to lie, yep. got to lie, got to lie. Yep. That's like, that's like a tell with him. He does it all the time. Definitely. Play that one more time, G. Watch Play that blinks. clip one more time. Watch the blinks. Just in the, the beginning, watch. Balloon. You know, everybody's yeah, sure. talking about this. Uh, now that we know what we know, that the balloon had antennas and a, commun- a communication system, do you regret not having insisted on bringing it down sooner? No, I think the expert, the intelligence community, defense community, they forgot more about it than you or I know. I said I wanted to shut down. First of all, (laughs) I forgot. First of all, he's the commander in chief. He's the commander in chief. His job is to protect the country. On his orders, he's the decision maker. We can argue about if he is the decision maker. I get it. But he's the decision maker. No, no, I don't know. This, what do you, I, I let Millie and his guys decide i just said hey take it down and they said yeah. okay pops we'll get to it whenever we want to <laughs> yeah basically. no problem we'll get to it after lunch <laughs> it, it, it seems like you know he's got a he's he's got to get clearance like he's not really in charge what's of making the, yeah, what's the chain of command here yeah go ahead g it was possible and they were worried about there you go. the damage that could be done even in a big state like montana okay stop again this, this, like- this, this is such non to me to me and i know nothing about it so it could be way off Again, we fire missiles halfway across the world to take a guy out who's in a hut somewhere in, the, in, in some godforsaken place that's in a 10 by 10 area. You're telling me that we couldn't have done an assessment of all the open area over the Aleutians, over Alaska, over Montana, Montana over all these places? We couldn't what? find a spot? We just let it float all the way across the country and these are the professionals and this is what they came up with? That doesn't hold water on any level. Go ahead. What happened if it came down to hit a school in the rural area? What happened if it came down? So I told them as soon as they can shoot it down, shoot it down. They made a wise decision. They shot it down over water, recovering most of the parts, and they're good. And wasn't it a major security breach for the United States, just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace no. and flew over the country for so many days. No, look. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> he he <told> says no. <laughs> what do you mean no? How could you say no? And if it's no, then why did you do, again, how do you juxtapose what they did today? Now, again, we don't know if it's exactly the same. I get that. How can you say no? Go ahead. amount of... Uh... Intelligence gathering is going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that so? a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace. It did. Is, uh, anyway, <laughs> exactly. it's not a major That's... breach. I mean, look, it's totally it's a violation of international law. It's our airspace. Oh. And once it comes in our space, we can do what we want with it. Yeah. And you let it just roll through. And you chose to let it go. Yeah, let it roll through. I feel through. like Mike Lee right now at the face. <laughs> <laughs> what? The, the answer he tries to tell, it's like he almost catches, him, he almost catches himself. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it broke into him. Ooh, wait. It's not like it went across the whole... <laughs> it traversed around the country. It did, uh, any, dope. Anyway. Right through. Um, hey, who do you pick in the Super Bowl there, pal? Well. Exactly. <laughs> I picked Mike Lee. That's how I feel while listening to this interview. 
what is he talking about? That's, well, so this this news today, we'll see. That's stunning. stunning. Right, what else is going on in the news? Oh. All right. So we covered that. Uh that's from Kirby. Yep. Oh, you know what? Project Veritas. You know that the, the whole story with James O'Keefe has taken a uh, pretty good turn here actually. I don't well, know. Well, they got a cease and desist letter today. Right. Did you that, see that? And, yeah. Then that's that's the story I'm uh, a late. I'm going to refer to. You know, uh, this is what um you know, O'Keefe's done a lot of great reporting before, but when you go after Pfizer, that's a different ball game. And, uh, and I don't know that it's directly linked to somebody there or to them, but um, I don't know. The timing of this whole thing is just all a little too weird that all yeah. of a sudden. Well, because what? What all the stuff I've seen of they've cited of him, okay, mm-hmm. he, he may, maybe he's a tough boss to work for, and maybe he doesn't make the best decisions, and maybe he's a tough guy to deal with, and maybe he's an egomaniac. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, none of that. He is Project Veritas. Without yeah. him, there, no one would know or care what this, what this group's doing. Yeah, and, and that's the basis of the cease and desist lo, uh, letter coming from the major donors. They hired, a, uh, they hired an attorney, and they sent the cease and desist letter to the board, and the bigwig donors to Project Veritas are not taking the board actions against James O'Keefe lying down, says a source. Looks like they have hired a big-name law firm, and suggesting to the board is running afoul of Virginia law. By threatening or taking these actions, the letter says, the board is straying from its roosts, and the express purpose of which the considerable funds from the public, including our clients, has been raised. We have, we're concerned that the board may be already be acting in violation of law. Um, in conclusion, they, they put out the cease and desist from any actions to remove James O'Keefe from the company and, the, and state that the letter represents a request to preserve all tangible evidence. So there's, this, there's more to this story, considering... It was the New York Magazine and the Daily Beast that broke this story. So Yeah, there's something going on it, here. It's an inside hit job. Sounds like it. All right, live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. Thirteen to the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing news. What even is that coming up? Top of the hour. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Make sure you follow us on all our social media, and of course, we are under constant, um, well, not attack, but uh, just constant uh, fight to get the social media out there. Facebook people writing me now saying oh, I don't see any of your stuff anymore. So. Make sure you visit us on social media every day to see what we've posted because a lot of you are not getting notified or not seeing it in your timelines on anything. Um, even, I, I, even I venture to say, even on Getter sometimes as well. So make sure you actually go to the actual pages. That's the best thing to do at LFS6B pretty much everywhere and see what we've posted for the day. So a uh, couple things here before we get to sports. Um, let's do cut three, G, because this will lead me into the next thing I want to cover here. Play cut three. Mr. President, um, you're here to defend Medicare and Social Security. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, but, you know, Senator Rick Scott from Florida has been airing an ad saying that you should resign because of your record on this. And he says that you've taken 
more than $300 billion from Medicare. Yeah, Would you he's right. to respond? That's this time. 700 no. last time for Obamacare. What do you have to say about it? <laughs> no, I'm not going to respond. It's Rick Scott. That's a great answer. <laughs> I wish the guy asking the question would have said, uh, you know, what about the 700 billion the Democrats took out of it for Obamacare and then the 300 billion this time? The Democrats are the only people taking the money out of there. Right. Republicans actually haven't. Well, if anything, he should have at least followed up. So, so Rick Scott is correct. You're taking 300 million out of this account because that's he's in, he's not gonna he's not gonna answer the question. So, obviously, if you're not gonna f- say no, that's not the truth. Here's the truth. Then it must be the truth. But don't worry. The reason Joe Biden doesn't really have to answer questions like that because he has guys who will defend him. He has guys that will hold his water for him. Damon, who are you talking about? <laughs> Who's the Democrat? Joe Manchin? No. Who's the Democrat? No. Oh, no, it's Mitch McConnell. As Mitch McConnell yesterday throws Rick Scott under the bus so he can defend Biden. And this is from our friends over at Right Scoop. Mitch McConnell sides with Joe Biden against Rick Scott over his plan to make Congress reauthorize Social Security and Medicare every five years. McConnell came out yesterday and criticized Scott, saying his plan is not a Republican plan and he wants nothing to do with it. This is from the Washington Post. In recent days, Biden's been hammering Rick Scott for his plan that would require Congress to reauthorize even popular programs such as Social Security and Medicare every five years to keep them operating. On Thursday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell joined in the criticism, suggesting that provisions in Scott's plan could hurt him in his bid for re-election next year in Florida, a state with the greatest share of seniors in the nation. That's not a Republican. That's not a Republican plan. That's the Rick Scott plan, McConnell said. Um... On radio, the Republican plan, as I pointed out last fall, if we were to become the majority, there were no plans to raise taxes on half the American people or to sunset Medicare and Social Security. (laughs) So it's clearly the Rick Scott plan. It's not the Republican plan. So that's Mitch McConnell. So see, this is why Biden doesn't have to answer questions, because he has morons like McConnell who will go out and carry water for him and throw his own guy under the bus. And that's not what Rick Scott is saying. And Mitch McConnell knows something has to be done with these programs. Which is the bigger point of what I think Rick Scott's trying to say. And maybe he's not doing a good job of it. But you don't need Mitch McConnell throwing him under the bus. That's not a Republican plan. Hey, why don't you just stay quiet and let Rick Scott tell us what he meant. We don't need to hear what you think he meant. But this is, this is what Mitch McConnell does. This is what he does. This is why I've railed about this guy for as long as I've been doing this show. This is an atypical uh, move by him. Just the absolute out-of-the-book move by McConnell. You could just mark it down that things like this happen when things like this come up. Who are you going to look for? Who's going to be the first guy to come out? See, if it's not Romney, it's McConnell. And I, and I actually think it would be McConnell's worse. I actually think it's McConnell's worse. And they end here by saying the truth is Medicare and Social Security are Ponzi schemes. By the way, I said that last night. That need to be dealt with. I know that both of these programs have taken off, have been taken off the table because it's too politically toxic to try and fix them. 
but McConnell could have at least suggested that Scott's plan had some merit, even if he disagreed with the overall plan. But in typical McConnell fashion, he rails harder against his fellow Republican than he, do, than he does against the Democrats, especially when these Republicans are more conservative than he is. Well, anyone's more conservative than he is. So there's Mitch McConnell for you, again, doing what he does, sticking his fat mush right where it doesn't belong. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, let's do some sports. And here with that is Slick Rick. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6B if you're shopping at MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Buy one, get one free of the new MyPillow 2.0. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Well, Chris Lick reportedly looking to bring Charles Barkley to CNN for a news uh, primetime show. This is uh, Luke Kane of Mediate. Uh, CNN is reportedly interested in bringing inside the NBA analyst and former player Charles Barkley to their primetime lineup. Chris Lick has been putting this mark on the network's programming since he was appointed president last year. In January, he made a move to shake up the primetime lineup by beginning to air overtime. The post-show segment from Bill Maher uh, HBO program, Real Time with Bill Maher, uh, Friday nights at 11.30. Now, according to Puck's Dylan's Byers, Licht has uh, turned his attention to Sir Charles and as an option for the show in prime time. Licht is now in negotiations to bring Charles Barkley to CNN for a news-oriented prime uh, show. Two sources with knowledge of the matter tell me, yes, Charles Barkley. The show would see the 11-time NBA All-Star, Hall of Famer, and current mega-popular TNT Inside the NBA analyst interviewing newsmakers, journalists and other guests about various topics of the day. The conceit is that uh, genuine is that a genuine, outspoken, often humorous figure like Barkley might be a bigger draw than the traditional self-serious newsman and might be better suited to ask guests the kind of questions that average Americans actually care about. When asked That's about terrible. the reporting by... <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the new show. What time do they want to do this? Uh, prime time. So I guess prime time would be uh, 9 o'clock. 8 o'clock, you know, 9, 9 o'clock, something o'clock, like you know, that. Be another guy competing with us. Oh, then, <laughs> I, man, this is how you know Don Lemon must be on his way out if they're going to bring in Barkley. Yeah. Uh, they said if a deal is made between CNN and Barkley, he will continue to do his duties as an analyst for TNT's Inside the NBA. He signed a contract in 2022, big extension. Uh, remember, he was going to go work for Live Golf. He was hoping he was holding out for a big offer that never came to fruition. Mm -hmm. But uh, Barkley is not the only personality Lick is reportedly interested in bringing to the cable news work. Gail King of CBS This Morning is said <laughs> oh. to be on Lick's mind. On <laughs> there, there's a way to really make some changes and make it look like maybe you want to try to be uh, a little more balanced. Yep. Gail King? I mean, Charles, I, 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 don't, I don't really get that either, honestly. Yeah, well, he's very gregarious. He asks a lot of questions that people won't. You know, he's like a sports Howard Stern type, you know, in that type of field. But we'll see what happens. Uh, just shifting gears, Big D. Michael Irvin sues woman for $100 million over misconduct allegations at Super Bowl Hotel. Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. NFL Network commentator Michael Irvin has filed a $100 million lawsuit against a hotel employee who alleged that he acted inappropriately with her in an incident that resulted in him having to move to a different hotel. Um, I, I, he went on in an interview Wednesday, talked about that he had met a young lady in the lobby. He was with several witnesses who have come forward uh, that were actually heard the conversation. It was a very brief shaking hands, no, no, nothing crazy. And he walked through, back to his room. Everything was fine, supposedly. And then he got a call from the NFL. He had to come down and switch hotels. Next thing you know, he's out of the coverage for the NFL Super Bowl. So he is very taking this very seriously. His attorney went on to say, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that uh, he's become a, the latest member of the cancel culture that's out there. And uh, they want to set this right. You know, I actually 
actually hope this does work out to his favor if he is indeed innocent on this and uh, he does get, get re reinstated, Big D. And then he should go and sue NFL Network for firing him prematurely as well. So anyway, that's a wrap. Sorry, I went a little long, but that's uh, Michael Irvin, Dallas Cowboy. All right, Hour 2 coming up live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. More to do. What even is that coming up? Crazy Town coming up as well. Busy Hour 2. Stay with us. from Studio 6B, hour two on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick sitting right there doing sports. Rick Delgado's right here doing news. What even is that coming up? Big Super Bowl pick in the odds makers coming up at the end of the show. Plus, we'll go over a couple other cool things you can keep track of this weekend, like my Super Bowl boxes. I got some pretty decent numbers, Slick Rick. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I got some good numbers, too. I'm I got to think seven about what one. the final score could be in the oil at the end. You know how boxes work is you first quarter, halftime, third quarter in the, in the end of the game. You all get uh, there's there's you know, you get paid on each one of them if you have the right numbers. So we'll go over the box numbers, too. Uh, we'll go over the picks. We'll go over the over under. We'll go over and if there's any prop bets you're looking at, like how long the national anthem is MVP, color the, the coin toss, coin yeah. toss, all that. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a bunch of stuff there. We'll do that in the odds makers. Uh, we have a crazy town coming up. Joe and Kamala addressed the governors. That must have been fun for the governors. So, I hope they all brought like somebody to like translate for them. Uh, this also happened today in the press briefing room. In the continuation of why people at the White House get the jobs they get, here's, um, here's the um, black lesbian press uh, secretary, which is, I think, the only reason she has this job, because she's awful at it, announcing the new person coming in. Listen. I also knew. Uh, I also know uh, that Ben is making history. As you know, we believe here in the Biden-Harris White House that representation matters. He will be the first openly uh, gay uh, um, uh, communications director, which is very, very important indeed. Okay, with that. That's very important indeed. For why some is, reason, wh why I, is that why important? Is it, uh, I'm not exactly sure why that matters one <laughs> bit whatsoever. Yeah, she makes hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. That's yeah. It. Yeah. And, and she performs the way she does, which, well, again, we know why she has the job. The same reason this guy's going to get the job, so that they can check all the boxes, check mm -hmm. all the boxes, because as she, she said it right there. Listen to it one more time as she said in the opening here. I also knew, uh, I also know uh, that Ben is making history. As you know, we believe here in the Biden-Harris White House that representation matters. He representation matters. That's mm -hmm. all it's about. It's not about if right. you're the best at what you do, if you're competent at what you do. It doesn't matter. Just check the boxes. Check the boxes you're in. Yeah. That's all. The best example of that is when they did the Lunar New Year for like the Asian American celebration. Yep. And Biden was like, oh, we just happened to check and our, our numbers for our quota of Asians adds up. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. That's it. That really matters, she says to is, us. Is that that, Biden, is that that Biden calculus adding up yeah, for him? That's right. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like anybody who cares. Great. Good for him. Who cares? Do a great job. Are you the best at this job? That's what we care about. Yeah. 
Don't wait. come out and sound like her, incompetent. We don't care what she does outside the job. Be good at what you do. Unbelievable. Yeah, we know here at the Biden White House, representation matters. Okay. Right. We, we represent some of the worst people you could have picked for these jobs. Yeah. Here they wish, are. How about the truth? Does that ever matter? How about try and give us some more of that? All right. It's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, Damon. Well, thank you. And hopefully we can represent everyone in this uh, sure. in this edition. Yeah, representation right. here matters. Yes, yeah, like so we're going to represent the, the month of February because, as you all know, it is February, right? Yes. Yeah. Usually known as the coldest month of the year and mm. here in the U.S. And as you can imagine from the temperature in my car last weekend, uh, it was a grim and cold reminder of how cold it can be. Uh, but did you know what else February is known for? Uh oh yes if you if, if you if you were about to guess Valentine's Day you would not be wrong but it's also Black History Month yes yeah, yeah. you know since I don't really watch much of local TV anymore I never see all those promos that I had basically forgotten about but when it comes to Black History Month there is a lot that goes into it we're talking mm-hmm. about promos and ads remembrance and history and historical figures and no establishment likes to celebrate this more than our education system oh, of course yeah that's right our schools and with schools teeming with educational woke liberals you would think if anyone is going to make sure they get this right, it's going to be the liberal Marxist education wing of the Democratic Party, right? Yeah. They oh, yeah. love to march. They sure. protest and to pander to the black community. So you can imagine my surprise when I saw this article. Yes, New York School apologizes for so- serving watermelon, chicken, and waffles on the first day of Black History Month. <laughs> I know, what? right? What even is that? What well, even is that? <laughs> without stating the obvious, but how the hell could they get this one wrong? Check this out from the article. A food vendor in Rockland County, located just outside of New York City, has apologized after provided lunch for children at a school celebrating Black History Month that was deemed to be insensitive. Students at Nyack Middle School were offered chicken and waffles with watermelon for dessert on February the 1st, the first day of the month that honors the triumphs and struggles of Americans throughout U.S. history. Did you know Holland invented chicken and waffles? Really? Before that, you can only get chicken or waffles, but they were the first to put them together. Black people all over the world would be forever grateful to the Dutch for that. They are. You do know the Dutch started the slave trade. Those mother- What's crazy <laughs> is that according to this article, <laughs> according to this article, listen to this, the school's menu was supposed to be Philly cheesesteak, broccoli, and fresh fruit, but for un- some unknown reason, the menu was changed at the last minute. I want you. Philly D. To buy my new fried chicken, yeah. that is. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's Wilbur like... Aldridge of the NAACP in Nyack said, if they had served chicken and waffles by itself, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. But the moment that they add watermelon, that changes the whole complexion, literally. 
In a statement, the school's principal uh, said the menu was changed without the school's knowledge. Yeah, not sure how that could happen. And noted that the food items chosen reinforce negative stereotypes concerning the African-American community. Oh, Tay. <laughs> the offering of chicken and waffles as an entree with watermelon as a dessert on the flat first day of Black History was inexcusably insensitive and reflected a lack of understanding of our d- district's vision to address raci- racial bias, the school wrote in a letter sent home to parents. Yeah, because we all know the Democratic woke ed- education liberals would never, ever think about pandering to the black community, especially using something as silly as food. What's something that you always care? Carry with you. Really? You, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now? Mr. <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Uh, yes. Really? Now, yes. listen, I just want you to know people are going to see this. Okay, she's pandering to black people. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Is it working? Ah, there it is. Or maybe even insulting them with their, uh, uh, insulting them and their faith by making outlandish claims about being a black church regular. And let's lay one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7:30 mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Yes, of yeah. course you did, Joe. Come because on. well, you know it's so obvious. When they started you can, singing, you really looked like. Yeah, it. yeah, Joe feels right at home, right? <laughs> yeah, look at him. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, I that bewildered right look is the same as we normal Americans have on our face every single day. We battle this insane, woke ideology that has infected nearly every institution of our normal lives. Now, back Black to Back History Month serves as a great reminder for the great contributions many Black Americans have made throughout our history and the last thing we need is the woke ideology ruining that for everyone as well as we have seen the left is intent on trying to make women disappear you just have to wonder who's next i mean truly the only thing we didn't find out about the nyack middle school black history month mess of a menu was if there were rules to what the kids were allowed to wash it down with is this ignorant yo that's racist man that's racist yeah, actually, the only rules that exist are for the role-playing game known as uh, sneak into my house and take off my pants and hammer hammer with me naked with Paul Pelosi party. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, Damon. Back to you. All right. Rick Delgado <laughs> with what even is that? You know, what's funny about that you bring this up is I just watched this morning. A um, couple people that I like a lot and follow a lot. Number one is um, Matt Walsh. And uh, also, the Hodge twins were just talking about this subject. I don't know if oh, it was really? in relation to that, but take a listen to this. So He disagrees with you. It, it reinforces negative stereotypes. Why exactly is it a negative stereotype that a lot of black people like chicken and waffles? Why is that negative? It's just, is, 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 it, is it inaccurate? Like, it is true that you tend to find chicken and waffle restaurants and those sorts of dishes um, in black communities more than in not in, in, you know, white communities. So why is that a problem to notice? I like chicken and waffles, too. It's a great it's it's it makes sense. It's, it's a great it's a it's a great dish. I actually hadn't had it. I had it for the first time like a year ago. I'd never had chicken waffles before. And um and then I had it the first time a year ago. I'm like, this is, and it always sounded a little bit weird to me. Like, how do you find chicken and waffles? That's amazing. Then I had, I'm like, this is amazing. I love this. So it's a great food. It's a great dish. 
Um, I think it's accurate to say that it tends to be more popular and prevalent in the black community. Um, I'm not sure if historically it was like it was uh, first uh, designed or, 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 you know, if, if the first person to come up with a, the chicken and waffles dish was a black person. I don't know if that's the case. No, they were Danish. But who cares? That's Why true. is it automatically offensive? What a negative stereotype. What's negative about it? This is this is what we did. We decided that every stereotype is automatically negative simply because it's a stereotype. But that's not the case. A stereotype is a, it's a it's a it's a generality um, uh, made about groups. It's like it's speaking in a kind of general term about a group, and that's that's that is not autumn. Now there there can be negative stereotypes. There are things you could say about groups that are not accurate, that are not true, uh, that could be degrading or offensive. But not everything is. Just because you're making a general statement and saying you know people in this group generally like this or do this or whatever. It's, it can be true. It's okay to notice it. Yeah. Yeah. And you just see the Hodge twins above say, it's not a negative stereotype. Chicken and waffles is fire as they say in their tweet. <laughs> so it's funny that you do your, what even is that on it? Cause I actually watched that this morning. Um, and so, cause obviously this is that, I, and I don't know if this is based on that story that you, it, from it the, what's sound, that, from the daily like mail, it. it sounds like, it, it sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I, I believe that's the some of the article I used was from the Daily Mail, and again this was supposed to be on. I was trying to get this done for last Friday. I didn't have time to finish it, and then of course we had the State of the Union, so we kind of pushed it to today. Now it was I think the school saying that it was a negative stereotype. Right. So that's a different aspect of the story, separate I think from the fact that it was pandering. But also the NAACP NAACP guy said adding the watermelon to it made it negative or made it uh yeah made it negative he said chicken and waffles by itself as he said in the story we wouldn't be having this conversation oh kind of really? like what well, kind of yeah. like what matt walsh yeah. said yeah and watermelon is not even really in season right now right yeah that i i think that's what really <laughs> that's <laughs> really the crux of the problem right there i'm not sure that was <laughs> out of really, season fruit <laughs> yeah what was in season probably wasn't what was on their mind but from Studio 6B on a Friday night. More to do. <laughs> Crazy Town coming up. We'll do it when we get back right after this. the blues on a friday night despite the u.s blowing through 32 trillion dollar debt ceiling this past january the left white house and the biden administration still refuse to reduce spending while our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility it's time to pull ours out of it now would be a great time to diversify into gold with birch gold times of high uncertainty and instability gold is king it's always dependable birch gold makes it easy to convert an ira or 401k into an ira in precious metals here's what you need to do text america send it to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metal specialists 
Think about this. To dig our country out of the mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting AMERICA to 989898. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text AMERICA to 989898. Do it today. Oh, play the piano, baby. Come on. All right, let's do uh, some sports. <laughs> and here with that is Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Use our code LFS6B if you're shopping for Valentine's Day or birthdays or Mother's Day, Father's Day, all coming up in a couple months, whatever it is, use our code LFS6B at checkout. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, let's break away from the, all the pigskin talk and let's get to a little rawhide. Uh, we're going to do the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo kicked off last night in San Antonio, Texas, the AT&T Center. We're going to have that rodeo running from the 9th through the 25th. Big rodeo, over a million dollar payout. So here we go. Bareback riding, bracket one, first round, Kate. Sonia, 85 and a half points on Calgary Stampede's Big Time in Houston. Steel Wrestling, bracket one. Eli Lord, 4.1 seconds. Eli's coming. Uh, team Roping, bracket one. Jeff Flanagan and Wyatt Cox, 4.6 seconds. Saddlebrock, Stetson Dell, do you right. 86 points on Picket Pro Rodeos. Coe's Delta Dawn, $2,500. Tie Down Roping, Joel Harris, 8.6 seconds. Barrel Racing, Jackie Ganter, 13 Point nine five tenths, twenty five hundred dollars there, and last but not least, bull riding once again. The great Stetson Delright, eighty four points on Picket Pro Rodeo goes Pitchfork, seven thousand dollars total payout on this rodeo, one million three hundred fifty three thousand, and we'll have the pleasure of announcing the rodeo all next week as this is rolling right through the twenty fifth. Can't wait! And I got a great story. I got to set this one up. This video is just really something else. You don't see these moments too often in basketball. This is right out of March Madness, but it's only February. This is number twenty three Rowan University versus New Jersey uh, City University. This occurred the other night. With 5.2 seconds to go in the game, Rowan's leading 71 to 67. Now, just watch this video. It's absolutely incredible. And the announcer, you think, I have passion? Boy, this guy was off the wall. But um, Jason Battle hits a three-point shot from the corner. And then they go to inbound the ball to run the clock out. This is Rowan. And they turn around, and the ball gets deflected. And, yeah, roll the video now. Let's show it. All right, go. Here it is. Watch. He's from the corner. Hits the three. Shot. It's good. There we go. Ryan Savoy cuts it to one. And then JC wins it from the midline. It's good. It's good. Jason Battle at the buzzer. And JC wins. The guy, man, he makes me look like I'm, uh, you know, sedated. I mean, that unbelievable big deal. That was 5.2 seconds. Could you imagine the guy inbounding that ball? Yeah. Unbelievable. 2.8, they ball got tipped. Honestly, I give a lot more credit to the guy who had enough brains to put his hand out quick, thinking they were yeah. going to inbound it fast. Yeah. Six points and five seconds. I don't know why you would possibly try to throw a half-court pass when you're up one with the ball underneath the basket just get it to the guy who's closest to you they have to follow him right away right exactly now bad to bad try play. to throw the guy play it one more time looked like the guy was breaking out and he thought maybe he could get it to him the guy was going to break out for a layup yeah he was trying to cut so he makes this and yeah, then watch yeah. the kid in yellow break out right there 
and he thinks he can get it to him. Oh. And of course, the kid tips it, and then he heaves it. Oh. I and mean, that's just unbelievable. That shot is incredible, though. I mean, that's literally ten feet in from the mid, from mid court. What I mean, he had, he had to have the presence to catch, stop, pivot, shoot. Unbelievable. Yeah. What a shot. Unbelievable. And just one more quick story, Big D. Uh, MMA, number one, under, uh, number one, who's actually an underdog now, Alexander Volkanovsky, on why we shouldn't doubt him at UFC 284. This is uh, ESPN Mark Vermondi. Alexander Volkanovsky is uh, ranked by ESPN as the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. He's never lost in the UFC, compiling an impressive 12-0 record since his 2016 debut. The Australian has won 22 straight fights and owns four successful title defenses at the UFC featherweight champion. Yet, despite all those eye-popping a- accolades, Volkanovski will be a plus 320 underdog BD. Via yes, he will. Yeah. It could be plus 620 or plus 1,000, plus 2,000. It could be whatever it wants. He's going down this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Islam's going to take care of him, oh, man. Oh, boy. Down. He's going down and he's going down hard. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, oh, Mark- no, we won't see. Yeah, he's a it's dominant happening. wrestler. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's gonna- going down. This guy is an animal. That we'll he's- see. That he's facing. So, yeah, so not, you're going to have a little bit of action. Get a little break from Super Bowl Sunday and watch this tomorrow night. Going to be an outrageous fight. I wanted to promote that. S. Tuki uh, in the uh, Get a Chat has been telling me, make sure you mention the MMA, and he or she is right on. So, there you go. And that's a wrap in sports uh, uh, for Friday night. Odds makers in the last round. I can't wait for that big D. Come All right, on. Slick Rick, very good. Let's do some news. Rick Delgado, what's going on, pal? All right, I don't know if you heard about John Fetterman, the uh, somehow amazing uh, senator out of uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Ready to serve. That's Uh, what we were told. Ready to serve. Well, the New York Times has published what appears and intended to be a sympathy article on... by reporter Annie Carney on freshman Senator John Fetterman on how he's dealing with becoming a U.S. senator just months after suffering a debilitating stroke. However, the article contains quotes and reports that indicate Fetterman should have never continued with his candidacy after the Times calls his near-fatal stroke last May, including the observations that Fetterman knows he likely permanently harmed himself by not taking the proper time to to uh, recuperate. Well, and, and that, of course, is why he's in the hospital right now. Right. Right, exactly. Fetterman was sworn in on the 3rd of January. He's kept a low profile, but uh, was seen attending the State of the Union address the night before he was taking the George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C., Wednesday evening, where he was being held for tests and observation. The Times article was prompted by Fetterman being hospitalized on Wednesday after feeling, feeling lightheaded. Uh, Fetterman spokesman, uh, spokesman said Thursday night that the tests ruled out a new stroke. Ah, oh, look at that. Well, we have to rule out strokes these days, but that Fetterman was uh, was being held for tests for seizures, which I don't know, kind of sounds like a stroke. Um, Fetterman, fifty three, the six eight, six foot eight, tattooed and goateed Democrat from Pennsylvania, of course, suffered that uh, near fatal stroke back in May. They he, they've been de- declining to answer any questions regarding an interview for the story. Aides and confidants described the uh, the taxing or the duties. That he's uh, performing now uh, for someone still in recovery, meeting with constituents, attending caucuses, committee meetings, appearing in public at the White House. And the uh, hearings on the issues are inconsistent, they said, and they often get worse when he's under stress or an unfamiliar situation. When it's bad, Fetterman has described it as trying to make out a muffled voice of the teacher like in a Peanuts cartoon. That's what it sounds like for him. 
The article also notes that Fetterman lives alone in his D.C. apartment. Where's his wife? And drives home. He drives? She's getting um, ready to take over his drives? job. I guess so. Just what we said was going to happen. And drives home alone oh four hours almost every weekend with, uh, to be with his wife, Giselle, and their three children in Braddock, PA. The whole situation is sad. Uh, and uh, yeah. we shouldn't be in this situation. And you have to wonder what the people of Pennsylvania were possibly thinking, electing this guy. Uh, we knew this going in, that this guy was in rough shape. And I don't wish anything bad on him. I don't wish bad health on anybody. He's dealing with a lot, but he shouldn't be there. No, definitely not. And it's, um, but it's not like we didn't lay out what was going to happen here in one way or the other. I, I, I'm stunned at the news that he drives. All right, live from Studio 6B, Odds Makers coming up, Crazy Town coming up. And some more um, updates on what we shot down today over Alaska. Live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour, hour two on a Friday night. Oddsmakers coming up in the next segment. We'll go over the big game. All the picks, side, total, props, boxes, everything we've got. All the guys are in boxes. That's good to know. So yeah. everybody will have something to root for. Uh, let's do Crazy Town, G. Joe and Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> they going to start making out? Address the governors. Roll it. Told Governor Murphy once, every time I hear the President of the United States look around and say, where the hell is he? Anyway, it's great to see you all. Sorry to keep you waiting. That's gag. Look, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think the success for all of us, Democrats and Republicans, is in part going to be measured by not what else we get done or pass, but what we, whether we're able to implement what we've already done. Uh, huh? I know Did Kamala I know give it's him a problem that having to deal with all the money you're we're already, sending you. You've already done it. <laughs> you don't think I'm kidding. I think it is part of a problem. Anyway, um, but uh, what, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to be quiet, right? Oh, please. I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you, Mr. President. Eventually, I'm going to say something to you. Okay? Good to see you, Senator Governor Cox. And now we'll hear from our Vice President, Madam Vice President. Thank you. Good morning to all of you, and thank you for your work. As the president has said, um, ours together is a partnership for the benefit of the American people. Uh, we delivered on many of these needs by making transformative investments that President Biden will highlight, and it includes our <laughs> work uh, to implement the largest investment in climate in our nation's history. Oh, we calculate that in addition to $370 billion that was part of the Inflation Reduction Act, overall we're probably looking at about $1 trillion that will hit the streets of America <laughs> to address this pressing <laughs> issue. Trillion? And we're very proud of this because we do think of this moment as being transformative. God, we do think of this moment as being a moment in the history of our nation where it is not about incrementalism. It is truly about jumping to a new plateau. He hates yeah. her. So this <laughs> he is the work we will continue to do over the course of this year. And in conclusion, I'll say that for so many of us, and certainly for me, I think that the theme of this year should be for all of us momentum. <laughs> and this is not a partisan point. <laughs> 
And we are now at a point where coming through the height of the crisis, but with the good work that has been done to deal with an immediate issue that required long-term thinking, we are now on the verge of building on that in a way that together, through a partnership, will benefit the people of our country for I? generations. Thank you. He doesn't even know she's in the You know, uh, the, uh, uh, I was just up in Wisconsin with Governor Evers, uh, going around the country like Evers. the vice president, meeting with a lot of you all, and uh, trying to figure out how we get done, how we implement what we've finished. For example, I ask uh, a former governor, by the way, if you notice, I hired a lot of governors in my cabinet. Granholm, Ramon Mirando, Vilsack, uh, etc. In the beginning, yeah. it was uh, we didn't have yeah, a, we didn't that have outfit. unanimity in what to do, but we passed a little thing that was about a trillion eight hundred billion dollars. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's uh, and so one of the results is that it's not because of me or the vice president or this administration by any stretch of the loan. But uh, we created 12 million jobs. Oh, we went God. from uh, 3.5 million people vaccinated to 230 million people vaccinated. And I, you know, I know, like I, I knew, like you did, that strengthening the state of local governments was uh, was the key to our recovery. And I'm not being—it's not hyperbole; it's a fact. I won't bore you with the detail because you forgot more about it than Very anybody else knows. And look, folks, uh, we also have to rebuild the country. And, uh, you know, uh, whether the infrastructure law was with Andy Bashir and Governor DeWine, I don't know where Governor DeWine is. I'm, so, I'm sure you're here somewhere. <laughs> no, I'm sure you're here somewhere. Um, and, uh, it's only 50 of them, Joe. Uh, you know, one point, anyway, without going on, you all know the detail, but the end result is, in a bipartisan way, the governors and the senators of both states got together. We're building a new bridge and fixing the one that's there, but it's consequential. And you may have had somewhat of a debate on the State of the Union, um, uh, and, uh, but I was glad to see everybody says we're not going to cut Social Security and Medicare. Well, that I really got that under happened, his skin. I hope that's true, but that's what we... Uh, anyway, look, uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to have to focus on is that uh, um, we want to take... Uh, you know, the fact is that uh, the I know a lot of you aren't that crazy about the, uh, the legislation we passed that allows Medicare to negotiate for drug prices. Well, guess what? Guess what? That's going to reduce the federal debt. That's going to reduce the federal debt. Billions of dollars. But uh, so there's a lot we can do. Is I think that we're going to pay our bills. We, look. We've got an historic uh, amount of legislation passed, and I'll end this by saying that, as all of you know, it doesn't stop here. As my mother would say, I'm going to hush up and uh, turn it back to Julia, and you tell me what we're doing. Oh, <laughs> tell me what we're doing? Wow. Wow. Man, oh, man, is that rough. Oof. Oof. You know, I find that if, uh, I don't know, I may be reaching here. Is it, it's not, well, maybe not. I find when he's in a room of both Democrats and Republicans and people he, he knows there are onto his nonsense, like a DeSantis or some of these other governors who he, he knows. I mean, anybody in the room is smarter than him, but he like really struggles. Yeah. 
when he's in these, you know what I'm saying? When he's mm-hmm. in these rooms where he knows people in there are not on, not into the, he can't get by with the, you know, he's not in front of a crowd, eh, right. clapping seals, drones. He can't really do, you know, what he's done most of it, basically all his life is lie. Right, just stumbling through these, uh, okay, well, anyways, uh, anyways, anyways, he's just trying to. Right, because he was trying to go to a few things. Nonsensical, man. He, he was, it seemed like he was trying to reach for a few of those, his crutches that he likes to reach for, and then all of a sudden he's, uh, he had to stop himself. You know, the one point, well, I can't, I can't get it. It works a little sitting, different when there's no sign for applause or laughing. Yeah, right, or just people <laughs> sitting there going, ah, gazing at you from down below, or you can, hey, don't jump, you know, that stupid yeah. stuff he does. If you got a seat, uh, you should use it. Yeah, that one. That old gag. Yeah, he's in a room. Half of the, you know, half of the people in there just think that this guy's such a moron. But man, that was brutal, brutal. It's not. This, this isn't. This isn't calculus. <laughs> Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Uh, all right, a couple of videos here on uh, some other developing news from the from this afternoon on this. Uh, well, as you'll hear here, maybe not balloon or object that we shot down first from the Pentagon briefing here. At the direction of the President of the United States, fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command successfully took down a high-altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska at 1.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today within U.S. sovereign airspace over U.S. territorial water. On February 9, North American Aerospace Defense Command detected an object on ground radar and further investigated and identified the object using fighter aircraft. The object was flying at an altitude of 40,000 feet and posed a reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flight. U.S. Northern Command is beginning recovery operations now. U.S. Northern Command's Alaska Command coordinated the operation with assistance from the Alaska Air National Guard, Federal Aviation Administration, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We have no further details about the object at this time, including any description of its capabilities, purpose, or origin. The object was about the size of a small car, so not similar in size or shape to the high-altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4. Mm-hmm. At the direction of the President that's of the one. United States. Yeah. Well, that's odd because, you know, they're, they're claiming that it was uh, something that was, uh, you know, posed a threat, but they can't identify exactly what, what about it was well, posed a threat to... He said they both said posed a threat to airline travel, meaning I guess oh, okay. forty thousand feet is different than sixty thousand where the spy balloon was. So this one could become a problem. Gotcha. That uh, is in he, civilian airspace. Yes. Yeah. Here's uh, Kirby with a little more. Thank you. Um, when I hear news, I just get very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, uh, Fancy that. Yes. Um, so can we just go back for a moment? So. Another aircraft of some sort, airship, balloon, something was shot down today. Who owns it? What were the circumstances? Was the president directly involved in ordering this? Uh, and is wreckage being recovered? Well, there's Kate. So I'm going to try. Okay. Remind me if I forget something. Okay. Yes, the president absolutely was involved in this decision. He ordered it uh, at the recommendation of Pentagon leaders. Uh, he wanted it taken down, and they did that. They did it using fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command. The Pentagon will have more to say about the details of this uh, later on this afternoon. It's only just within the last hour. Uh, we're calling this an object because that's the best description we have right now. 
Uh, we do not know who owns it, uh, whether it's a whether it's state owned or uh, or corporate owned or privately owned. We just don't know. Uh, we don't we don't know. As I said, state owned. We don't know if it's state owned, um, and we don't uh, understand the full purpose. We don't have any comp. We don't have any information that would confirm a stated purpose for this object. Um, we do expect to be able to recover uh, the debris. Uh, since it fell not only within our territorial space, but on what we what we uh, believe is is frozen uh, water, so uh, it, it's uh, called ice. A recovery effort will be made, um, and uh, uh, we're hopeful that it'll be successful. And then we can learn a little bit more about it. Was its appearance like the Chinese aircraft? No, it was it, it was much much smaller than uh, the spy balloon that we took down last Saturday. Um, the way it was described to me was roughly the size of a small car, as opposed to a payload that was like two or three buses size, right? So much, much smaller, um, uh, and um, and there and not of the same, not not uh, no um, no significant payload, if you will. And lastly, is, is it now the policy of the United States that if unidentified aircraft are over U.S. territory, that it is likely the president will choose to shoot it down? The president will always act in the best interest of our national security and in the safety and security of the American people. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, what she was getting there towards the end is really the question we all need answers to. Why so different this time? Right. This is much different than what we just saw a week ago. So has the policy changed? And if so, seemingly for the better, hopefully, to not let these things, obviously, I mean, this is much different. After, and he sits down in this interview and tells us the first one was, oh, no, no, no problem. Everybody's doing it. Don't you worry. Now, I wonder if they were able to get any close-up photographs of this thing. I mean, you want to know what you're shooting down. It's like, all right, is it something we can, uh, we can maybe recover if there's something on there? Maybe we shouldn't shoot it down immediately because it could, it could have some type of payload on it. Uh, were there any significant markings on it? They took pictures of the balloon. They took pictures for days of the, the other balloon. They could have did a flyby and said, let's get it up close before we, uh, we, we blow this thing up and take a look so we know exactly what we're dealing with. Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they know that. They're yeah, not they're, they're us giving that us right that slow drip information all day. Yeah, exactly. Well, those are the questions. I well, we'll send your questions over and see if we can get answers for you. I get excited when I hear news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. All right, Oddsmakers, coming up on a Friday night live from Studio 6B. Studio 6B on a Friday night. It's been a great week. Glad you've been a part of the show. As always, make sure you follow us on all our social media at LFS6B. Uh, some good videos coming out this weekend. Got a jobs report video coming out tomorrow. Um, it's actually, I think, on YouTube as well and on Facebook tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Make sure you check out the page there. We've got some good stuff on Locals, YouTube, Facebook, Getter, uh, Rumble, of course. Uh, so follow us on our, all our social media. Um, 
What do you got going on this weekend, Delgado? Any Super Bowl parties? Uh, I don't know yet. It's usually one of those late kind of things. It's like, okay. all right, who's got the best uh, invite? That's where we'll go. All right. Um, before we do the odds makers, let's do. Um, so I'm in a. So I'm in a box. So here's. So these boxes work out that there's numbers all across the top and all across the side, and right. your name goes in a box, and whatever number you get for the team is based on the final score. So here are my numbers for my boxes. I've got Philly 9 and Kansas City 6. So if it comes Philly 29-26, I win. If it comes Philly 9-6, I win. If it's 39-36, I win. Get it? 9 and 6. Anything with the last two digits of 9 and 6. If Philly has the 9, Kansas City has the 6, I win. And then my other box is Philly 1 and Kansas City 0. So, 21-20, Philly, I win. 21-10, Philly, I win. Anything with 1-0, Philly has to have the 1. Kansas City has to have the 0. I win. So, those are my two boxes. You have any boxes? Yes, yes I, I do. Good, Rick. Yeah. I've got, uh, I got sevens across the board. I got seven, I got seven and seven. Wow. Okay, so you're hoping for a 10-point game. Yeah, I've got a 7-4, and four, Kansas City 7, Philly 4. Oh, that's four. a good one, 27-24, that Excellent. could be. I've Excellent. got a 7-8, and eight, again, Kansas City 7, Philadelphia 8. Okay. And i got a 7-2, Kansas City mm, 7, two's not a great Philadelphia 2. I also have a, uh, I also got a 9-5, nine, 9 Kansas City, 5 Eagles, and I've got a 6-Eagles- mm. Two Kansas City. That's kind of a garbage box. Okay, Slick Rick, what are your boxes? All right, I got Kansas City five, Philly one. I got a, this is not one. Philly and KC both sixes, and then I got KC zero and Philly six. So you know, not the five and one. I kind of like that. Could be you know thirty five thirty one, thirty five twenty one. I kind of like that. But I think some field goals are going to get mixed into that. So uh, that's what I have. Okay. All right, those are our boxes. So you can root for those numbers. Now it's time on a Super Bowl weekend to do the odds makers with Slick Rick, Rick Amirati. All right, Slick Rick, here's where we stand. I'm up 30 large, but 20 of it's with you. Down 20, you are going into Super Bowl weekend. We got lots of picks here. We got game. Well, I don't know what you're picking, so. I guess we'll start with the uh, the big one of them all. No, the we'll game. pick that last, the last of the oh, game. Oh, okay, baby. so what do you want to start with first? Build, let's have a build-up here. Let's start with the national anthem, Chris Stapleton. Let's get right to it. No. Oh. The over-under on that is 125 seconds. Two minutes and five seconds for Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem. Now, there's always a little discussion around this. Is it from when he starts singing the first word, or is it from when the music starts? Because sometimes these musics, you gotta, you gotta, you yeah. gotta make sure if you're doing, if you're betting this, you have to know from your place. Is it from when he sings his first word to his last word, or is it from the first note to the last note? Oh, we got, we Most people step. do it by sung words. Yeah, I think we got to do it by words, Big D. Because yes. if you've got this orchestra and they play a six-second, now nine-second intro, that doesn't count. It's from when he starts the word, first word till he finishes the last word. That's what we're going to do. All right. Well, it's minus 115, but anyway, we're not going to go with that. We'll just simply go with the how long it is and then whether or not how much yeah, we're going to put on it. Pretty so, much even money anyways. Okay. So I'm going to say uh, country singer. I think they go a little slow, a little drawl. So you know what, Big D, I'm going to take uh, – I'll take the over on that. I'll take okay. the over on that. Uh, put me down for five on that. 5K that would be. Okay, 5K on the over 205 yeah. from first word to last word. Uh, from Chris Stapleton, okay? Okay. Next, we'll talk about Will Travis Kelsey, the great tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. Will he score a touchdown, Big D? 
I'm going to take a yes on that. I think Kelsey does get in the end zone. Oh, he's a great tight end, one of the best. And uh, I'll put right. uh, I'll put five on that. So we got five and five there. All right. So Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown. I think it's like minus 130, but we'll throw that out the window. We'll just go straight up. I'll give you better odds. So because okay. uh, you'd have to lay 130 to make 100 on that bet normally. But we'll just give you straight even odds on that. So Kelsey will score a touchdown in the game. Okay. One more. Is okay. the game going to go to overtime? Ooh, that's a big one. That's okay. 10 to 1. I know that. It's 10 to 1 odds on will the game go to overtime. So you don't need to risk a lot to win a lot, Slick Rick. So what are you going to take? Yes or no? No. I don't think the game goes to overtime. I think oh. it gets done in 60 minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, what are you going to – so what are you putting on that? I'll put five on that too. So we got 15 right there. Well, that's not really – that's that's hard to do because you'd have to lay – you're going to – You'd have to lay big odds to say no because obviously the odds up. are. I, yeah, we should just go straight up. Uh, I guess no, no, I can't. We... That's putting me at such a disadvantage. <laughs> okay, we don't want to like do that. That's like giving you five. We don't want to do that. No, yeah, we can't. You, if you're going to take yes, we could do that bet. But you can't take that bet and go no. I'm going to pass on that then. Okay, so no, that's out the window. We'll pass on that one. Okay. All right, so let's get to the game. All right, let's get to the game. So we'll go with the over-under on this game. We're at what, 50 and a half, you said? Yep. 50 and a half. I think it's going to be on. I think they're going to play a little bit of defense. Philly's got a strong defense. That Chris Jones in the middle for Kansas City also looking good. So I'm going to say uh, I'll take the under, Big D. Under 50 and a half for Slick Rick. Okay. And uh, we'll see. We got five. So let's put 10 on that. So then we got 20 already now. So there's my 20 off the scoop. Okay. There's your 20 that you're down if you win all of that. So yep. under 50 and a half for Slick Rick. All right. And now let's get to the game. All right. What are we doing, Slick Rick? We're going to put 30 on this one here. Okay, big. I mean, last year I did double or nothing in. Thank God I pulled it out. I went back and forth. This is not an easy pick. You could almost flip a coin. These two teams, best teams all year, wire to wire, same records, same amount of points, 546 points. We reported that last night. They both scored this year. And, you know, a lot of folks in the chat are not going to be happy. I know we got a lot of folks out there in Kansas City. They love their Chiefs and their Patrick Mahomes. And he's a tough guy to pick against. But, you know. <laughs> I'm going to take Philly. I'm going to lay to one and a half. You got it, Big D. I'm going to take Philly. I'm sticking with the NFC East. I think Nick Seriani, the coach with the chip on his shoulder, is going to beat the old, uh, and he's going to beat Andy. And I, um, yeah, I, 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 know I might regret this pick. I just might. <laughs> But you know what? I'm skipping the barbecue sauce, and I'm going with my Philly steak sandwich at halftime, BD. That's it, baby. It's one and a half. I'm laying, and we'll talk about it on Monday. All right. Slick Rick's going to lay one and a half with the Eagles. I mean, listen, this is going to be a great game. I heard Fetterman's doing the coin toss. No, no. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you just got to wait for him to drive there. Yes. Hello. Good night. <laughs> Game's over. Heads. <laughs> Uh, all right, Slick Rick, there you go. So That's Philly it. and under, Kelsey anytime, yes. The overtime is out because you have to lay two. It's two thousand. You have to lay two thousand to make a hundred. So yeah, you can't. Right. You can't do that unless you're taking the yep. yes. Um, and then what's the other one he said? Oh, Kelsey anytime score. Yeah, national anytime anthem. Five, oh, yeah. national anthem over. Uh, over. Over. Because you think he's going to be a little slow. Hey, I how many points? Did, how okay. many points did each team score again throughout the season? Uh, 546 each. Yeah, do the math on that. The over is in, but the under has been very strong in the playoffs. There's been a lot of defense played. <laughs> Let's see. Fly, Eagles fly, baby. Let's go. All right, Slick Rick. Very good. Uh, Huge weekend for Slick Rick Super Bowl, and uh, those are the picks. So we'll post them so everybody wow. can follow them and follow along. You got our box numbers. My boxes pay out big, by the way. 5000 a quarter, 10 
for 5,000 if you have the numbers at the first quarter or third quarter, 10 if you have the halftime score right, and 20 if you have the ending score Woo. right. So all I want right, 20, all right, all right. I want 21 <laughs> 20 Eagles. Slick Rick loses one and a half. Oh, they win God. by one. <laughs> and I win He's my going box. on vacation. <laughs> and I win my box. He'll be going on vacation. I may not be here Monday if that yeah. happens. 21 20 Eagles. That's, my, that's what I want. So, um, all right, anything else? Uh, Going on the, in the news quickly, I, or you want to touch I, on, or you're, you got your box numbers? I got, you know, who'd you I, pick in the game? I, I didn't pick anyone to win. Well, the game. pick somebody. Oh, pick Rihanna. I got Kansas I'm City. The, I'm going to go with Kansas City. I just think the their offense is uh, not going to be. It's not going to be stoppable, and I think they're going to score. I think the total score is going to be over sixty. <laughs> Kansas City. Oh, you're, you're looking for a shootout. Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout. Chiefs are going to get smoked. <laughs> All right, baby. <laughs> okay. Been a great week. Slick Rick, everybody thanks. Everybody thanks in the audience. Delbert, what's going on? Here comes the weekend, honey. Yeah. What's going on? We'll see you on Monday. Do we put our feet up, honey?